Podo. You're listening to Movers and Shakers, a podcast about living with Parkinson's. The show is generously sponsored by Boardwave, an exclusive European networking community for software CEOs. Boardwave is a passionate supporter of Cure Parkinson's. For more details on the charity's progress around research and its fundraising, please visit cureparkinsons.org.uk. bar is open, the pints are in and the judge's pink tonic water is on its way, so it's time uh-huh. to get on with the latest episode of Movers <laughs> and Shakers, the podcast by and for people with Parkinson's. I'm Mark Modell, we meet here in this Notting Hill pub regularly to have a bit of a chat, a bit of a laugh and a moan, and maybe today moaning may come to the fore because the subject is depression. We're talking to a leading neuropsychologist, Dr Jennifer Foley. Hello to there. Hello. We'll be back with you later. Who else is here? Rory Kettlin-Jones. Gillian Lacey Solomar. Paul Mayhew Archer in a very depressed mood now. <laughs> <laughs> Nicholas Mostyn. Cheerful Charlie. <laughs> I'm Jeremy Paxman. And you're the reason we're here for this episode because you were... Well, I was keen to do it. Why? Keen to do it because I think that the mental symptoms of Parkinson's are quite considerable. And they do, it does make you feel depressed. It may not kill you, but it does make you feel life's not worth living. Does it make you feel that? Yeah, it does. Did you it takes forever to do things. You s- described yourself as a gloomy bugger. I'm a gloomy bugger. Throughout your life. Yes, I've always been like this. Do you think you're but gloomy? I've now got real reason to, to be gloomy. Does that not make you more cheerful? No, it doesn't. But whenever we why, meet... Why are we cheerful about that? You all think it's funny, don't you? <laughs> no, it's no. just the, the relish with which you, you want to be gloomy is, is joyous, actually. <laughs> <laughs> Joyously gloomy. Do you feel joyously gloomy? I feel gloomy, but actually, I feel slightly encouraged at the at the research that's going on. Slightly, but only slightly. Can I just go around the table and ask you what experience you've had or otherwise with depression and anxiety? Right. Well, I actually, and I only realised this afterwards. For the year after I was diagnosed, I was depressed, and I somehow didn't associate it with Parkinson's. And now I realise it it was. I was just I felt afraid, I felt down, I felt... And I didn't talk about it to anybody, which even, even my wife, which is probably not a good idea. And then, weirdly, what got me out of it was, was COVID. I retreated to my attic to work from, from a busy office, and whereas other people I knew found that very depressing, the lack of human contact, suddenly I was energised by you know having to work out how I did my work differently and so on, and sort of shook it off, so... And it hasn't come back, touch wood. I mean, other, other sort of associated symptoms, bad sleep, which don't, don't do me much good, have, have stayed with me, but the actual depression seems to have gone away again. Jennifer, can I bring you in here? Can you tell us who you are, first of all, and what a neuropsychologist is? Yeah, so I'm a clinical neuropsychologist working at um, Queen Square at the National Hospital for Neurology and Neurosurgery, and I'm also the lead of Parkinson's UK Excellence Network for Mental Health. I'm very glad to be able to come along and talk to you today about the mental health. Thanks very much. Why I wanted to bring you in there is because I was going to go right round the table and I'll come to you in a moment, Gillian, and everybody else. But, I mean, it seems to me there's there's an overlap between just being gloomy because you've got Parkinson's, which is a reason enough to feel gloomy. I mean, I'm lucky to say the bullet of depression has never hit me. But nevertheless, 
you know, you feel a bit down because of it, and something that is actually caused by the neurological changes in your brain. And it sounds to me like Rory was down because he had good reason to be down and snapped out of it. What is the relationship? It's a bit of a um, bone of contention, really. We don't really have a very good understanding of exactly what causes Parkinson's depression, whether it's a biological phenomenon or whether it's a psychological phenomenon, and it's a, probably a bit of both. But what I would say is that when you're first diagnosed, it's extremely normal to go through a phase of low mood or anxiety or distress, just as like any condition, any long-term condition or diagnosis, you have to go through that adjustment of coming to terms with what that diagnosis is, what that diagnosis means for you, what, what it will mean in the future. And that period of adjustment can go rather quickly or can, it can take a long time, sort of depending on all of those factors of, of what it all means for you. But that for most people, after some time, you, you sort of come to terms with that diagnosis or it will stabilise to some extent that you start to feel a bit more like your normal self. And that maybe you start to think, okay, so this is a diagnosis, but it doesn't have to define me or it doesn't have to be, you know, everything in my life. You know, I can sort of think about what's the best way of managing the condition rather than just feeling low because of the condition. I've got to say the weird thing for me was I wasn't too upset by the diagnosis because I, I had something else which I felt was much more serious earlier. And I just thought, oh, God, this is another damn thing. And I was, in fact, quite energised by talking about it. But in the background was this kind of kind of thing that Jeremy describes, this perpetual low mood. Yes, I, I have no experience of depression at all before the diagnosis or since. But I do know that depression is an extremely serious condition and it can be completely disabling. So I'm very interested to listen to the... So you haven't experienced... I've never experienced depression before or since the diagnosis. I had a bout of depression much earlier in my life and uh, went to the doctor and was prescribed with um, whatever it is. What's the thing that they get? Prozac? Prozac. I was put on Prozac. And about two weeks later, I was uh, going into London in the car and I found myself singing a song which went, uh, fucky, 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 wank, wank, fuck. Uh, that one. And I went back to see the doctor and he says, yes, that does have a rather disinhibiting effect. On and that cheered me up. And then the doctor who said it has a disinhibiting effect says, that, yes, when I get depressed, I sing a song very similar to that. But I sing it to the chimes of Big Ben. Fuck, 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 wank, 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 wank. <laughs> And so I, that that cheered me up. No, I hope you've got your bleeper. To <laughs> <laughs> and and now I I find that the Parkinson's. I I suspect one reason you might get depressed with Parkinson's is because you've got all these other bloody symptoms with Parkinson's. But if you can look at those positively, then I haven't really had a bout of depression. Since I think that annoys me about psychiatrists <laughs> is that they're always so Pollyannery. <laughs> They always suggest to you there's something wrong if you feel depressed. And I feel depressed a lot of the time. But it's natural for you. Yeah. And uh, during my research, because I've never actually seen the film Pollyanna, but apparently she falls out of a tree, breaks her <laughs> legs and does become depressed, as you would if she couldn't walk. Yes. Determination to make the most of it that is her distinguishing feature, isn't it? Yes, but she does get depressed at one stage, oh. apparently. Gillian, what about you? Well, mine is a slightly strange story because I was seeing somebody for CBT, cognitive behavioural therapy, because my mother used to get very anxious. And I said to the GP, 
years and years and years ago, I said, my mother gets very anxious and it stops her doing various things, so how do I get over this? And they said, why don't you see someone for CBT? And I had to wait for about three years, because fair enough, it wasn't an urgent thing. And when I finally saw this person, two weeks later, I was diagnosed, so then I had a lot to be anxious about. And so I said to them, look, I'm now really worried about this Parkinson's, what shall I do? And their standard answer, which was horrific, was, look, just think about how bad it could be, and then you get over that, and then it'll be fine. So I looked <laughs> it up, Christ. you know, doubly incontinent, dribbling in a wheelchair, you know, lost your marbles totally, etc. And I went back and I said, how did this help? And he was absolutely bewildered. He thought I'd be fine by then. Extraordinary. So, Jennifer, I mean, obviously there's a lot of people have lots of good reason to be depressed. But what do you think about the changes in the brain? Do you think they are responsible? I think they definitely probably do contribute. So if we think about how Parkinson's can cause disruption to a whole raft of different neurotransmitters, dopamine, serotonin, noradrenaline, and all of these can change in Parkinson's pathology. So, you know, it makes sense that there will be some contribution from biological changes. What's interesting is that research has suggested that actually non-Parkinsonian factors, such as previous history of depression, has three times a greater impact than Parkinsonian factors such as disease duration or disease severity. So there's something in addition to the Parkinson's which is likely contributing to your experience of low mood or anxiety. So if you've been depressed in the past you're more likely to be exactly. even more depressed in the past. Yeah, I mean... I think, you know, it's often to do with one's early life experience and, and yep. you know, what your experience of previous adversity has been, how you've managed to get through that or how challenging it has been. And if you've gone through those difficult experiences, you might have fewer psychological resources and so it ends up being even harder to cope with additional stresses such as Parkinson's disease on top of that. Yeah, and I think, you know, also the fatigue, also yes. the sort of non-motor symptoms such as sleep, problems, um, changes in thinking skills. You know, there can be lots of different factors that might contribute to people's mood and anxiety. And so really, I would say there's not just sort of one Parkinson's depression. It's, you need to have an in-depth assessment of what could be contributing to your, to your emotional state. All Thinking about all the Parkinsonian factors, such as your, what are your symptoms, how does it affect you on a day-to-day basis, how much pain you're in, if you're able to sleep well, are you troubled by hallucinations, are you finding it hard to get up in the night and you're, and you're sort of you know, really struggling to get enough sleep. You know, these sorts of factors, as well as what's your early life history, what, what has been your previous experience of anxiety, depression, how have you coped in the past, have you ever had any proper psychological support, as well as what's going on for you now. Are you able to do the things that you like to do? Are you able to socialise? Are you feeling engaged intellectually? All of these different factors are really important for understanding your experience of anxiety and low mood in, in Parkinson's. And then the specific intervention or the sort of treatment will be completely contingent upon your specific mm. sort of mm. constellation. Well, treatment? well, can we move on to that? But before oh, no, we actually you. move on to it, we've got a Movers and Shakers Facebook page as well as our email feedback at moversandshakerspodcast.com. And uh, I started a thread on depression called Biting Back the Black Dog, asking people how they coped. Kate said, I've learned to understand my own depressive tendencies. I go stir-crazy if I can't be outside. I also sing to the dogs a lot. They must like it as they always wag their tails. And here's some other people, starting with Val. 
what I'd say to anybody suffering from low mood and depression, if they've tried all the, the usual things of getting out and about, getting exercise, fresh air, mental stimulation, and, and none of that's worked, then discuss it with your doctor. This is what I did. It was my daughter that noticed that um, I just wasn't myself. I was getting very emotional and sort of crying at the drop of a hat and just hadn't been feeling right for some time, lost all interest in everything. I went to the doctor and she put me on antidepressants. Let's be fair, nobody wants to be on antidepressants, but they did really help. And I did find that my mood settled and I was much more in control of my emotions. My attitude is, if taking a small pill every morning can make me function better and make me feel happier and more in control of myself, then so be it. Hi, this is Ben and I've had Parkinson's for three years. Before Parkinson's, I really didn't invest any time in making myself feel good through things like exercise, sleeping well, eating the right thing and listening to music. Since getting Parkinson's, under advice from my neurologist, I've really focused on exercise. I do yoga every day, I do exercise every day and it really makes me feel much, much, much better. Of course I take medication, of course I do lots of other things, but it really has made a difference. Lastly, my neurologist said to me, the key is to make Parkinson's part of your life and not your life. And that made a lot of sense. So it's a fight every single day, but I'm dealing with it as actively as I can. Hi, this is Sue. My husband Steve is 64 and was diagnosed with Parkinson's 20 years ago. Last year, he seemed to be in a steep decline and we thought it was a progression of his Parkinson's. He was sleeping or sitting around all day and had no motivation to do anything or even to eat. We then saw a nurse who said she thought depression was a major factor. He had been on a low-dose SSRI for years but was swapped to one called Venlafaxine, which is Adam Brooks' neurologist favours for people with Parkinson's. The difference in him has been remarkable. It might not suit everyone, but Steve says he reckons he's tried almost everything else and is glad to have found something that works. Hi, I'm Dave. I think one important aspect of dealing with depression is learning one's own triggers for causing it and also strategies for tackling it. For example, I live in the countryside with lots of peace and quiet. I wake up to birdsong. This is critical for my personal mental health. I grew up in the suburbs of Manchester and have lived in large towns, but I find noise and crowds very difficult to handle. With regard to strategies, which I find can head off depression as soon as the first signs appear, exercise and fresh air are critical for me. I find my mood lifts as soon as I am outdoors. And if confined to indoors, say by the weather, then music is important, and also dancing, which I really only discovered the importance of in recent years. Personally, Cuban jazz is a great trigger to raising my spirits. As I heard someone with Parkinson's say, if you don't feel like getting out of bed, get out of bed. If you don't feel like going for a walk, go for a walk. We have to push ourselves. I swear a lot. Oh dear. Well, it doesn't stave off depression as such, but it's cathartic. And having only one near neighbour, who is rather deaf, allows me to let rip at the top of my voice. Another advantage for me of where I have chosen to live. Finally, I do wonder if some form of creative self-expression can help. I have written poetry for the last 50 years on a wide range of topics, including depression, suicide and Parkinson's. But maybe creativity through other arts, such as painting or music, might help in dealing with depression. So, Jeremy, we know you like swearing a lot, but what about uh, Cuban jazz? Cuban jazz, I'll give it a go. Uh, Painting, I'll give it a go. (laughs) 
Anything I don't mind. I've done. I, come on, I've done ballet with you, Paul. Yes. <laughs> no, that was. Fantastic. Can I ask you a question, Jeremy? Are you continually preoccupied by your condition? I'm not continually preoccupied by it, but I do think about it quite a bit, mm. and I notice a lot that it takes me a long time to do things, and yeah. I get confused by things. Judy, uh, my wife, says that I am completely obsessed with Parkinson's now, and I suppose I, I am. It's, it's a good question as to whether this po podcast is doing as good, because <laughs> I didn't, for the first few years, think about it that much, because, frankly, I, I got used to my symptoms and I thought they weren't that severe, and now I'm thinking about it a lot more. Yes, yeah. mainly because yeah. of the torrent of emails that you're sending. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> In fact, it's this bloody... Podcast. That's yeah. <laughs> My wife says it's given me it a new lease of life, but I'm not sure that's the lease I no, want. I think it has. But think but seriously, what are the, the the main treatments? And I don't get the impression that there's an awful lot of outreach to people with Parkinson's in this area. I mean, I, I would imagine a lot of people are doing what I did and just sort of putting All their the head down. Answers the question. I would just say I entirely agree that we've been saying since we started this that. The non-motor symptoms are the Cinderella of the yeah. condition. Yeah. The principal non-motor symptom, the main one, is de is the mental one, is, de is depression. I mean, there are lots of other ones as well, but depression is the big feature. And there is, as you rightly say, there's much less attention paid to the non-motor symptoms than there are to the motor symptoms. I quite like the motor symptoms to be addressed as well. Mm. I'm holding a very shaking hand in front of you. But um, I, I do agree with you, Rory. Well, I mean, certainly what we heard from the listeners is just a whole variety of different things that have helped people. Exercise seems to be common to many of them, though. Yeah, so I'd say that for everyone, there are some things that can definitely help. So from listening to various people over the years with living in Parkinson's, the things that have really helped with mood and anxiety are doing exercise. And I think one of the reasons for this is because actually doing exercise gives you a great, sense of control over your physical condition so doing a large amount of cardiovascular exercise as well as other other exercises focused in on your parkinsonian symptoms can have a significant impact upon your disease progression and the more that you're able to really engage with that the more you're going to feel in control of your physical progression so the more of a sense of control you have over your condition the better your mental outlook will be mm. so it's got a significant impact just through the mental outlook but also on the physical sort of benefits of exercise such as you know the release of endorphins and things like that so so exercise is, is number one the thing that I would recommend to mm. anyone who's struggling with low mood or anxiety mm. for for managing Parkinson's how, how do you measure depression it's a really good question, actually, because as you can imagine, there's a huge overlap between depression and between the physical symptoms of Parkinson's. So one of the questions we might ask in a, in a sort of non-Parkinson-specific assessment of depression is, do you ever feel slowed down? Or another one might be, you know, do you ever feel sort of restless? And of course, these are both can be both symptoms of Parkinson's. They're just the motor symptoms. It's got nothing to do with Anxious, how you feel emotionally. Yeah. Lack of confidence. And yeah, all I mean, the things that are more sort of specific to anxiety or depression would be the things like, you know, do you ever feel symptoms of guilt? Or do you ever mm. feel like something is... Uh, do you ever feel that like life's not guilt. worth living? Yeah, guilt, guilt is guilt a really... Is a very, very unusual thing, isn't it? Do you yeah. feel guilt? I do, actually, funnily enough. Considering I'm irreligious, I do feel surprisingly guilty. About what? Bad things I've done in the past. Oh. Mm. Michael Howard. 
<laughs> I don't feel guilty about him. <laughs> I once asked a neurologist, uh, I said that when Robin Williams died, he could have brought a lot of publicity to Parkinson's. And this neurologist said, well, we don't think he killed himself because of Parkinson's. And I said, oh, that's right. He, he, said, uh, he said he didn't have Parkinson's. He had the Lewy body dementia associated, but not Parkinson's itself. And I said, how do you know? And he said, because he killed himself. <laughs> very, very unusual for people with Parkinson's to kill themselves. And I said, why is that? And he said, well, you know, depression is one of the symptoms, but one of the other symptoms is apathy. So they don't <laughs> feel like killing themselves, but yeah. they just can't be bothered. What is true about a lot of treatments for depression is that the pills do work, don't they? I mean, I, I sat through this in, in my teenage years. My mother got very severe depression, which was actually horrendous to live with. She got put on, I think it's something called imipramine, and the transformation was magical. She was never, you know, qu quite well, but the drugs do work, don't they? I mean, I suppose it depends which drugs. So, for example, a lot of people experience changes in mood and anxiety before diagnosis and a lot of them might actually report improvement when they're put on dopamine drugs. So they're not specifically for anxiety or low mood but just the resolution or the improvement in their motor function seems to lead to an improvement in their mood. For people who have persistent feelings of low mood or anxiety beyond that of just you know getting a diagnosis and the sort of normal normal feelings of sadness and grief that comes along with that. For those who have these persistent feelings, if they're put on antidepressants or anxiety treatments, for many of those they might improve, but some people will still have difficulties with low mood even if they're on medication. And what the best treatment, best practice guidelines would recommend would be that you would have access to pharmacological treatments such as antidepressants, but also access to a specialist psychological therapy from someone like a, a neuropsychologist. Now the problem with that is, such as Gillian's experience, is that most people with Parkinson's don't have access to a neuropsychologist. They get referred to generic mental health services that aren't designed for people with Parkinson's. And sometimes those mental health, generic mental health services will reject the referral because they have Parkinson's because they're considered to be too complex or it's physical or they can't help these people. Or particularly if they have any sort of changes in their thinking skills, if they have any sort of cognitive decline, they'll be rejected straight out. And because of that, that means that there's this huge population of people who aren't getting any psychological support for low mm. mood or anxiety and that needs to change because we know that as you're all describing that you know the non-motor symptoms these these symptoms of anxiety or depression can be hugely impactful sometimes even more impactful than the motor symptoms and we know that it's it can be integral to Parkinson's so not just anxiety depression but also changes in cognition problems like hallucinations problems with impulse control issues as a consequence of the medication all of these behavioral and psychological consequences of having a diagnosis of Parkinson's need to have the proper treatment from the right people and we don't have that in place around the UK at the and moment. And that's going to lead to depression isn't it all that? Yeah if, exactly. Because if you're not actually, getting your meds on time in hospital you're going to get... Exactly and actually yeah. the more that you don't get treatment for your psychological problems is 
it means that they're more likely to coalesce and they get worse. And so actually, you know, if you're anxious and you don't get the proper treatment, the more likely you'll be, you'll become more withdrawn from doing things, you'll become more depressed, you'll stop exercising, you Goodness won't... Goodness me, what's the answer then? That so, sounds so very we, depressing in itself. So, so what you need yeah. is that you need to think about what's the best way of managing the symptoms yourself through exercising, through socialising, through doing things that make you feel good, like the things, maybe doing a podcast or doing Do a podcast. Yeah. Everybody <laughs> should do a podcast. So the podcast is, is the answer now. Yeah. Yeah. It is no coincidence that the treatment for depression is often the same as treatment for Parkinson's, isn't it? So the Rosegelin, which is a Moab inhibitor, yeah. is used to treat depression where there's no question of Parkinson's. It's also used to treat Parkinson's. Yes, I mean, some of these medications seem to have dual effects yeah for sure and and some of that might be actually the resolution of the motor symptoms seems to lead to an improvement of mood but sometimes it might be the direct impact of, of those medications themselves but but yeah so certainly you know having more of a, a sense of control over your condition by doing more to help yourself but also having the right level of support from your medical team and having uh, mental health care integrated within your Parkinson's teams I think is what's And help from your personal team, if you have a personal team, if your partner can encourage you to get out and about and do things. Yeah, absolutely. Having having someone to talk to is really important because obviously it is really difficult living with Parkinson's, you know. Having these extra level of, or all these symptoms on top of just everyday life is really hard. And so it's extremely important to have someone to talk to about that. And if you don't have that, then I think it's important to reach out to someone like maybe like a counsellor to find someone to be able to speak to. I thought your partner wanted to take you to Sweden. She she wanted to take me to Sweden, yes. Uh, (laughs) To kill you off. (laughs) Yes, and I said, I think you mean Switzerland. (laughs) (laughs) And she said, yes, but I think we'll probably go to Ikea in the end. (laughs) (laughs) Just before we go, can we just quickly go down the table? Have we learned anything? What do you think? I've learned that it's incredibly complex. I, bizarrely, I, w- I was not looking forward to this episode because I thought it sounded depressing, but I'm, I'm actually quite cheered up by it. Yeah, I like this notion of control, taking control, because that is something we can do, I think. Yes, I think the fact that it can be in my hands to, to not be depressed is giving me confidence to not be depressed. Yes, I've learned that it's a real struggle if you're afflicted by depression. I'm going to be more understanding of that. Good. <laughs> <laughs> You've been listening to Movers and Shakers with me, Rory Catlin-Jones, and my friends Gillian Lacey-Solomar, Mark Mardell, Paul Mayhew-Archer, Nicholas Mostyn and Jeremy Paxman. The show is produced by Nick Hilton for Poddo. Our theme music is by Alex Stobbs and cover artwork by Till Lucat. Thanks again to Boardwave for their support. Please subscribe to get new episodes straight into your podcast app and do rate and review if you've enjoyed the show. We're also on Twitter, at MoversAnd6, that's Movers and the number six. So please share the show there, and email any thoughts or questions to feedback at moversandshakerspodcast.com. See you next week. <laughs> <laughs>